Well, good morning. Ladies, here is my uh, Mother's Day gift to you, okay? Guys, gentlemen, has your wife ever asked you if you're listening to her? <laughs> if she has, you're already in trouble, <laughs> right? You know, probably it wasn't really a question. Uh, most likely it was more of an observation, or maybe if you're a frequent offender, it might have even been a bit of an accusation. You see, guys, what our wives want is not for us merely to monitor the sound of their voices, uh, not, even, not even just to, to chart the topics that they happen to mention. What they really want, or at least what I've been told, okay, is to be heard, to be heard. And what they mean by that, guys, is that we would not only hear what they say, but we would think about it. We'd really consider what it is that they've said, and then that we would respond to them. They don't necessarily want us to agree with them, but to respond to them. And surprise, surprise, this isn't just a wife thing. This is something that, that anyone and everyone wants when they're talking, that they want to be heard. In fact, that's what the Lord desires. In fact, the Lord desires even more than that. Uh, when the Lord speaks to us uh, from his word, he wants us not only to truly listen, but he wants us to very actively grab hold of what he says, to grab onto it, to hold onto it, and to actively pursue understanding it and applying it to the way that we live our lives. That's what he wants. And that's really what our passage is about this morning in Luke chapter eight. Will you do that? Will you turn to Luke chapter eight with me? Um, we left off having closed out verse three last time. And um, we are gonna pick up in verse four of Luke chapter eight. I'll read our passage and I'm gonna ask you to stand for the reading of God's word and invite you to follow along in your own Bibles. Luke chapter eight, beginning in verse four, here's what Luke records. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Then his disciples said to him, what does this parable mean? So he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest, it is in parables, so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those 
who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would make us good soil. God, that we would be receptive to your word. We'd be open. Lord, that we would hear and consider what it is that you are saying. God, that we would submit ourselves to it. God, that we would allow you to speak authoritatively to us and to our lives. And God, that we would hang on to it. We would hold on to it. And God, that you would produce fruit in us through your word. God, accomplish what you desire in this time. We look to you to do what only you can do. Work in us, Lord. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Of course, we've got to remember the context of any passage that we're going to look at, and this passage is no different. I think it's important for us to remember that at the point when Jesus tells this story, he's at the height of his popularity. He, he's got huge crowds of people that are, are coming out to, to listen to him from all over Galilee. Uh, many of them are coming to be healed by Jesus because he's been healing many people. Others are coming out to see the healings. But you know, here, Jesus shows very clearly that he has a very different agenda. He isn't here just to heal. Now, he does heal those who come to him, but he shows here that he has a different objective, a higher priority that he is trying to accomplish. And that's this, he is trying to declare his message. Jesus has a message that is so important that the people have got to hear what it is that he has to say. He wants to call them to put their focus on eternal things rather than just on the stuff of this life. That's his message. This is what he's saying. He wants them to pay attention to spiritual things, not just to physical things. And he is so focused on accomplishing this that we see here when he gives this parable, we can actually see it in Mark's account. It's a parallel account, another place where we can read about this teaching being given. Mark tells us that Jesus positions himself physically so that he can teach rather than being overwhelmed by those who want to be healed by him. How does he do that? He gets in a boat. He gets in a boat and he pushes out a little way from the shore so that the crowd cannot press in on him and so that he can speak and they can hear him. Jesus wants them to pay attention to the most important thing. 
which are the spiritual truths that he is going to teach. And that's really what the Lord wants from all of us. You know, we are in the midst of a season where physical things are front and center, aren't they? You know, it, it doesn't get more physical than needing toilet paper. You know, we, we are so focused on the, uh, on the things of this life. And the Lord would call us, even in the midst of this time, to keep first and foremost our pursuit of those things which are eternal. He calls us to seek after spiritual growth and maturity, the salvation of souls, to invest ourselves in, in, in eternal rewards, not just earthly benefits, to grow in love and in grace and to keep our eyes on him. What Jesus says here in this passage is key for all of that. If we are going to successfully grow in our walk with the Lord, the things that Jesus says here are vital. In fact, so much so that, again, in Mark's parallel account, in Mark 4.13, Jesus tells his disciples, listen, guys, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything I'm telling you. You've got to understand this concept because this concept is the one that opens the door for you to understand spiritual truth. Well, that sounds pretty important. So I think we should, we should take a look at this. Let's, let's begin to look at our passage there in verse four. Jesus, it tells us that a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from every town and he spoke to them in a parable. A parable. So what's a parable? Well, a parable is not an illustration or an analogy. Okay. An, an illustration or an analogy says, this is what truth is like, or here is an example of truth. Here is something that will help you to understand this truth that I've plainly stated to you. But that's not a parable. That's not a parable. Parables are just stories. It's just simply a story. Uh, this one about a farmer who went out to, to plant his seed. It's a story that might hold our attention or arouse our interest, um, but it's a story that we won't get anything out of unless we respond to it, unless it causes us to dig deeper. What we'll understand if we pursue a parable, is that a parable is like a doorway, okay? Jesus is there and he's teaching and he, he tells this story and the people hear it, but really it's a story about a farmer throwing out seeds. But it's like a doorway. And if those who are listening, if they're not interested, if they're not hungry to understand more, if they're, if they're not thinking, what in the world does he mean by this? That's all they're going to get is a story. But if they're interested, if they're willing to seek out the storyteller, as we'll see Jesus' disciples do there in verse 9, then they will walk through that doorway. And anyone can walk through that doorway and can find out exactly what it is that Jesus is talking about. Understand this. A great intelligence is not the key to understanding the parables. Super spirituality is not the key to understanding the parables. You know what the key to understanding the parables is? It's going to Jesus. It's going to Jesus, just like we, we, we see his disciples do. Jesus tells this story, 
And the only way to get anything out of this story, this parable, is to go to Jesus, to turn to him. And that is, that is what he wants more than anything, isn't it? Remember last week, we were looking at John chapter 15. There in John chapter 15, Jesus says what? I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, you need to abide in me and let my word abide in you. It's this whole thing of Jesus saying, listen, it isn't about gaining some truth. It isn't about gaining some knowledge. It's about becoming connected to me. Jesus is the answer. And so Jesus tells this story and the only way for anyone to get anything out of this story is for them to come to him. Well, here's the story that he tells. And you'll see, it's just a story about a farmer planting his seed. Verse five, a sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell on the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. And when it grew up, it withered away because it last, lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. Thorns grew up, choked it. Still other seed fell on the good ground, and when it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. And then he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Jesus said to those around him, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Jesus describes what was commonplace knowledge in that day, in that time, in that region. He, he described how a farmer would go out and plant his seed. And this is what they would do. The farmer would walk his land, throwing the seed out on the unprepared ground. And then he would come by next and he would plow the field, turning the soil over the seed. And because of the way that they did it, some of the seed would land on the hardened path and it would be snatched away by birds. Some of the seed would land in shallow soil, a soil that was just an inch or two deep and then solid rock underneath. And it would, it would grow up immediately. But as soon as the sun grew hot, those plants would wither for lack of depth. And some would fall amongst the weeds and grow up together with the weeds. But because the weeds were there, and we all know it's easier to grow weeds than it is to grow something that you want, right? The weeds would choke out and keep the, what was planted from bearing any fruit. And thankfully, some landed on good soil and it brought about a good harvest. It's a simple story. And Unless you're willing to go to Jesus to find out more, it's a fairly pointless story about a farmer and his seeds. But Jesus' disciples, they begin to think, and they, they're thinking Jesus isn't just telling a pointless story, and so they go to him. As soon as the crowds leave, the, the disciples come to Jesus, verse 9, and they ask him, what does this parable mean? And so he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know but the rest is in parables, so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Hey, Jesus says the secrets of the kingdom of God are given to you. The secrets, the mysteries, those things that, that we would never figure out on our own, but they're things that God communicates to us. They're these little treasures, these, these facts that we would never be able to guess but that God tells us, and Jesus says, this is what is given to you. But to the others outside, to those who don't come to me, to those who don't ask, 
It's just a story. It's just a parable. And then he says something odd. He says, so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, you may find that confusing, that Jesus, Jesus, the one who came to save the world, the, the one that, you know, John talks about and says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, right? Here's Jesus who wants everyone to be saved, and yet what does Jesus say? Well, of course, I'm telling, I'm telling it in stories because otherwise these people would understand they would see what I'm saying and they would understand it. They would hear and they, they would know what it is that I'm saying. It almost sounds like Jesus doesn't want everyone to understand his message. And I would say, in a sense, he doesn't. Now, that probably makes even less sense, huh? Well, we naturally assume that it would always be better for everyone to hear and to understand whatever it is Jesus has to say, right? I mean, if Jesus has, if Jesus is the one speaking, pretty much everyone should hear it. But the surprising answer to that is no, it isn't always better. It isn't always better. Now, I'll say this whatever Jesus says, it's good. It's good. It's what everyone needs to hear and respond to. But here's the catch they've got to respond to it. They've got to respond to it. Over and over again, we have seen through the gospel of Luke and, and other times that we've been in the gospels that Jesus is after something very specific. He isn't after admirers, okay? He doesn't want fans. He wants disciples. That's something different. That's not just an admirer or a fan. That's something different. Jesus isn't just looking for those who will like or agree with what he teaches. He doesn't want people who, who just will smile at what he says. Jesus wants men and women who will base their lives on what he says. Jesus wants those who will live it and will live for him. He wants disciples. And what Jesus is seeking to prevent here, and the reason that he, he teaches here in a parable, is he doesn't want those who are merely casual listeners, those who have absolutely no intention to put into practice what it is he says, he doesn't want them to hear his teaching, lest they become inoculated against its spiritual power. Jesus doesn't want them to be overexposed to the truth until they are ready to receive it and to act upon it. And so Jesus uses a parable so that from a single teaching, anyone who is receptive, anyone who is hungry for spiritual truth, they can walk through that door. They can come to Jesus and they can, they can grasp the spiritual truth behind what it is that he's saying. While those who are not receptive, those who are hardened, that they will not become further hardened to his truth. You see, to the spiritually receptive person, to the truth seeker, a parable is a story that illuminates, that speaks to their heart. Well, to the spiritually closed person, to the one who doesn't want to hear the truth, well, to them, it's just another story. 
Well, Jesus' disciples, they sensed that there is more to this story than just a farmer and his field. They're just not sure what it is, so they ask Jesus, and in verse 11, Jesus answers them. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. He says, here it is, guys. The seed is the word of God. So it's not a story about farming. It's a story about how you and I respond when we hear God's word. That's what this is about. It's about how do we respond when God speaks to us? And here's the honest truth. At different times, we respond in different ways. I mean, I wish we were always the good soil. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, but, but at different times, we respond differently when God speaks to us. Sometimes, to our shame, we respond like the hardened path. It's like we're not, we're not even listening. Look at verse 15. He says, the seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Sometimes, when God speaks to us, the seed comes and we are hard like that hardened path. We don't let it in. We don't let it penetrate us, and the enemy comes in, and he swoops it away. Friends, we have got to realize that we have an enemy. We have an enemy who does not want us to respond to God's word. And, and he wants our hearts to be hard. He wants us to come in to any situation where God's word is going to be presented to us or where we are going to be exposed to God's word, and he wants us to come in with a hardened attitude. He wants us to be unreceptive to what God wants to say so that he can then snatch away from us the Lord's message. You know what works just as well as hardness? Distraction. Oh, we are a people who are distracted, aren't we? We are so distracted by so many things. It, it is so hard, and not only just to sit in service without having our attention pulled away by other things, but what about your time with the Lord? Aren't there a million things that pull you away? I, I, I could never think of so many things that I need to do in a quicker way than opening my Bible and starting to read. And that's when I remember everything that I've forgotten. That's when my to-do list, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I need to add that. I need to add this. I need to put this on there. Because a distracted heart, it's just as bad as a hardened heart. So when we're taking time to be with the Lord and to read his word. When we're here in church, when a brother or sister comes to us and, and wants to share something with us, we need to guard against being hardened against what God would say. We don't want to be closed-minded towards what the Lord is saying, but we want to be receptive. We want to receive what it is that God is saying so that the enemy can't just swoop by and snatch it away with distraction, with busyness, with justifications, with confusion. How often have we have we heard what God has said and then five minutes later can't even remember what it was? Oh, that happens, doesn't it? Because the enemy comes and he swoops in and he takes it away. We can't allow the enemy to snatch what it is that God wants us to hear. 
The enemy wants to keep us blind and deaf so we can't see or hear what it is that the Lord has to say to us. Uh, listen to how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There he says this, but if our gospel is veiled or covered or hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Okay, so he's talking about how the enemy works upon those who are lost. He says, in their case, the God of this age, the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The enemy wants to blind those so that they can't see Christ. He wants to, to make us deaf so we can't hear when the Lord is, is speaking to us. He wants us to be resistant, to be unreceptive to God's word so that he can snatch it away like the seed from the hardened path. Well, being good soil is more than just being receptive. Even soil that is receptive can be unproductive, like the rocky ground. Listen to this, verse 13. And the seed on the rock are those that when they hear, receive the word with joy, having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. So what it's talking about here is seed that falls into a, a shallow bit of soil, it just an inch or two of dirt and with hard rock underneath, and it, it grows up immediately. But as soon as the heat comes, as soon as the heat of summer comes, that shallow soil can't hold enough moisture to support the plant. It has no depth, no root. And so it withers and it dies. We talked about with, with the hardened path that we have an enemy, the devil. But here, I, I think really what we're getting a picture of is our flesh. Our flesh, that default setting within us to give ourselves to sin. That too gets in the way of us responding to God's word. There are times when like the shallow soil, we're an inch or two deep, but we're hard as rock underneath that. And what's tricky about that is that rocky ground, it, it looks like it's deep. It looks just like the, the soil that has true depth because it has a layer uh, of dirt on top and, and the plant springs up and so it looks all good. And so we appear to be receptive to what God says. We listen and we smile and we nod our head and we say amen. But here's the catch, nothing ever comes of it. Nothing ever comes of it. The rocky ground talks about change, but it doesn't actually change. As soon as things get hard, as soon as it gets difficult, it withers and fades. It withers and fades because our flesh isn't crucified, because we haven't died to self, which that's a daily process. And that's something we have to do over and over again. The shallow soil is soil that is captive to its flesh. It's a prisoner of its own carnality. It may hear what God says, and it may actually agree with it and agree that it's for us. But because it has not fully submitted itself to the Lord, 
because its flesh still rules. When the cost is high, when the storm comes, it withers. And so we've got to break up that underlying rock. We've got to crucify our flesh. We've got to come to a place of fuller surrender to the Lord. We've got to unconditionally surrender ourselves to Christ. We have to remove all stipulations, all reservations, no exceptions. We can be guilty of this. We can be guilty of saying, Lord, here's an area of my life that you need to stay out of. I will follow you in everything, but, but over here, don't touch this. Don't go into this, Lord. Don't mess oh, with this part. I, I know this isn't what you want, but this is my little special place. And the enemy uses that. Our flesh uses that. And it becomes that, that, that hard rock that keeps us from growing deep within the Lord. We have to surrender everything, all areas, no boundaries, every moment, again and again to the Lord. Well, we've looked at the hardened path and the shallow soil. Next is the soil overtaken by thorns. Verse 14, as for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, pleasures of life, and produce no mature fruit. And so some seed falls in amongst with the seeds of the weeds. And if you've grown anything, you know, right? The weeds grow better. Sometimes I just think we ought to grow weeds in our gardens. It would be easier. We could learn to eat whatever they produce, right? Yeah, it couldn't be worse than kale. I mean, <laughs> the weeds grow better. And so, you know, we have the enemy coming against us. We have our flesh that we have to battle and crucify, but we also live within a fallen world, don't we? We live within this world that is constantly trying to crowd out, to choke out any spiritual growth with the Lord. This world will crowd out, it will smother, it will strangle God's word. If you let it, it won't leave you an inch or a moment. Do you ever just get to the end of your day and go, wow, uh, good thing I didn't have my, my time with the Lord this morning because I've got all this time this afternoon to have my time with the Lord. That doesn't happen, does it? This world crowds that out. It squeezes it out. It, it wants to leave you with nothing for your walk with the Lord, for your investment in spiritual things. Just like a patch of weeds, the cares of this world, the many details of ordinary life, they incessantly demand our attention. You will find that this world will fill up your time. It will eat up your energy. It will leave you nothing to invest in your spiritual life. And then there's what Jesus says is the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of riches. It's that craving for just a little bit more, for just a little bit more material wealth. And it's a craving that is never satisfied. You know, left to ourselves, our lives will always be 
about getting more. Some are very open about it. They're just openly mercenary. Their whole goal is to get as much as they can. Others will, will say that they're not into wealth. And yet, what always ends up happening is that we always feel like we need just a little bit more. We always need a little bit more. That's the deceitfulness of riches. King James talks about as well, the lusts of the flesh, our desire for other things. Those things that this world promises us uh, that will fill up that hollow craving within our, our soul. The, those things that if, if we give ourselves to them, this world says you will find contentment and happiness. But the truth is, if you give yourselves to the things of this world, they will devour you. You will live for them and they will own you and they will leave you empty. And you will never be satisfied. You'll never be content. And you'll always feel like you need more. The weeds of this world will overtake us and they will suck us dry if we let them. They will keep us from investing our time, ourselves, our resources in things of eternity and things that will matter for all of eternity and they will keep us from experiencing a truly abundant life if we let them. That's why we have to keep on picking weeds. It's just like your garden. You can't quit. You can't just get partway through the summer to decide I'm done picking weeds. They will just take over. And so too in life, we've got to constantly be picking out those things that would begin to tap our resources, that would begin to to use up that which we need to give to the Lord and to, to draw close to him, those things that would distract us and that would overwhelm us. And so we've got the enemy and we've got our flesh and we've got this world all fighting to keep us from responding to God's word. We can tend to be like the hardened path or the shallow soil or the soil overtaken with thorns, but we don't have to be. We don't have to be. That's the good news here. Uh, look at verse 15, but the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit. Now, three of the four gospels recount this teaching and they each describe the, the good soil and what it does in a slightly different way. Uh, Mark uses the phrase, it welcomes the truth. It welcomes it, it receives it, it, it takes it, it takes upon it itself, it acknowledges it as it own as its own. It welcomes it in and it makes it its guest, okay? Uh, Matthew uses a phrase that means it, it understands it. It understands this truth. It, it, it talks about bringing it together, setting a bone in place, joining it together with the mind, bringing this truth and joining it together with how you live, it, it bringing it in. I, I love the way Luke says it. I think it's the most helpful. He uses actually two words. Uh, one is, is this, this phrase that is translated to hold on to it, okay, to hold on to it. It means to hold it fast, to keep it secure, to keep firm possession of it, to refuse to let it go, to refuse. I, I heard about this guy who had a bulldog, 
And his bulldog didn't like wearing a collar and didn't like leashes. But what he could do is he could take a length of rope and kind of toss it at the bulldog, and the bulldog would pick it up, and they would begin to play tug-of-war. And like bulldogs tend to be, it wouldn't quit. He could take his dog for a walk by simply taking the other end of the rope and starting to walk because the dog would not let go. In fact, he could take the dog down the street and across town and could go to the grocery store and could tie the rope around a pole and leave the dog there, go in and do his shopping and come out and the dog's still pulling on the rope. Squirrels go by, a stray cat or two, cars. It doesn't matter because he's got that rope and he's not letting go no matter what. That's what Luke says. That's good soil to grab on to the word of God, to grab onto this seed, this, this truth that God speaks and to refuse no matter what, to refuse to let it go, to hold it fast. Luke uses two words. The second word means to bear fruit or to bring forth deeds, to bear fruit. What Luke is saying here is not only do we grab onto it, but it's got to do something. It's got to bear fruit. There's got to be change within our life. There's got to be love that grows within us. There's got to be worship of our King and our Savior. That It's got to have an impact. It's got to do something within us because the Word of God is active and living, Right? It's active and living. God's word isn't dead. It isn't just like we memorize some formula and then it's just dead information residing within us. No, God's word is alive and it is powerful. And so when we take in God's word, when we hold on to it, it's to bear fruit. It's to change us. You know, you take all those words in Mark and Matthew and in Luke, and you've got a, a pretty active group of words. There is nothing passive about how you and I are to respond to God's word, okay? Sometimes we can be very passive as listeners, right? Guys especially. We can get into the, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Ah, uh-huh, uh-huh, ah. There is nothing passive about how we listen. And yet we can fall into that. We can read his word. We can, we can even just kind of in autopilot underline words, okay? You ever underline a word in your Bible and not really realize why you just underlined that? It's like, oh, I'm just underlining. I, I don't know, I like red and blue, and so I underline. It's so easy for us to slip into autopilot, and yet what, what this tells us is that we've got to be very active. We've got to be very purposed in receiving and grabbing hold of it and allowing it to bear fruit in our lives when it comes to God's word. 
We've got to lean in. We've got to grab on. We've got to figure out what that looks like for each of us. For some of us, it'll be taking notes when we hear God's word. For others, it'll be underlining and, and you know writing in in the margins of our text. Uh, for others, it'll be repetition. We'll be listening to a message again and again. But whatever we've got to do to let it soak in, we've got to let it soak in. We've got to hold on to it. And we've got to prepare our hearts. Because even if we want to be good soil, there are times that we are not. There are times that we are the hardened path or the, the shallow soil or, or the weed-infested soil. There are just times that we are like that. And we've got to be able to see that. We've got to stop. We've got to think back. I mean, think about yourself this morning. What, what soil have you been during this time? Because that will tell you what work you need to do in the garden of your heart. And regardless of which you have fallen into, there are things that you can do to address that. The first is to come to the Lord and to ask him to address that in your heart and to show you what the root issues are. I love what Hosea 10 says. Hosea 10 there, um, the prophet speaks, he says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. Break up your unplowed ground. I like that. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. We need to plow up the hardened surface of our hearts so that when God speaks, we are receptive to it. We need to break up that underlying rock, that shallowness in our response so that we are truly responsive to the Lord. And we can never quit picking the weeds because this world will choke out the work of God in our lives if we let it. James says this, hear the word and be doers of the word. Let's be good soil. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for time together this morning. And Father, I pray that you would take these things that we have talked about and you would help us to see how it is that we can grab onto them Lord, I pray for every last one of us this morning that there'd be, be something that you would show us that we are to just grab onto and hold onto and not let go. God, that there are, that you would show us if, if we are hardened against you, if we are hardened against hearing what it is that you have to say to us, Lord, that we would be willing to, to have that, that hardened path plowed up or that underlying rock broken up. God, that we would be willing to respond to you no matter the cost, that we would have no, uh, no holdouts, no holdbacks, nothing, Lord, that, that we would restrict you from touching or from changing in our lives. And Lord, that you would show us those things that are sapping our strength, that are, are pulling us away from you, that you would show us those, those weeds that are growing up, that, that if they were gone, your work would get more light and more water and more nutrients from the soil, that God, you would, would just flourish in your work within us. And God, yank those things out. 
work within us, make us good soil. God, we want we want to produce fruit for you. We want to grow spiritually, Lord. We want to be disciples and make disciples. It's a work that only you can do within us. And so, Lord, we invite you. We ask you to do it. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.